Hey, you found us. It's the Ben and Matt Sportscast. I'm Ben Glixman alongside my tag team partner, Matt Story. And Vegas was probably going to lose the Stanley Cup tonight. And, yeah. And that's okay. Uh, yeah, I mean, it's an incredible story that they're even here, obviously. But that's not where our focus is, because this is an ASU-centric sports podcast. And even though the school year's over... The seasons for, I believe, every team are over. The news yeah. continues. Uh, yeah. The the Sun Devils, Herm Edwards, has landed his first formal, official quarterback commitment in the second yeah. year of recruiting. It's a kid from Oregon who's 6'2 uh, and has a big arm, though I think the quote from Doug Haller's thing about Aikman and Rodgers is uh, – <laughs> The context is important that he said he's like Aikman right. and Rogers on the throws we ask him to make. Right, right, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I, uh, I always, um, you know, you listen to it. I know we just talked about, you know, you listen to the podcast that Haller and Metcalf did, and Haller made the point that I would always say, like, you know, he's always hesitant to use comparisons like that because it does sort of, you know, set a standard for a kid that is almost impossible to meet. I mean, you know, you're, you're comparing him to uh, two quarterbacks who have, what, four Super Bowls, and one's, one's in the Hall of Fame, one's going to be. It's a pretty high bar to get to. Yeah, a couple MVP awards. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's, uh, I mean, if he is that good, great. We'll be very happy if he's, uh, you know, 80% that good. But, yeah, let's, let's push the caution button for now. However, it was part of a broader discussion, a couple things. One, about the finally formal acknowledgement that, hey, you know, recruits uh, commit but then don't publicly commit because they want to have the spectacle. Right. Um, Which I thought was interesting that we're talking about that now. Um, Yes. But also, more importantly, we started talking about the kinds of players ASU is going for. And yeah. an acknowledgement from uh, Lungenbill, who was brought in for his third tour of duty with the Sun yeah. Devils, that uh, yeah. we're not very big, and we should be no. bigger. Um, yeah, yeah, and and especially pointed out the offensive line, which uh, was probably you know of all the things that was said in that in that story, that interview. You know, obviously we didn't hear the entire ninety minutes, but a lot of the quotes from it um, was the thing I liked the most because what has been an Achilles heel of our teams for the most part, since we started school here. So going on 15 years now, one of the biggest has been the offensive line play. Um, You know, it's, it's at some points been horrible at some points been passable, but certainly never really been a strength in all the years we've been here. So uh, that is really something that I like hearing. You got to follow it up with, with, you know, delivering on it. But I love hearing that they're really prioritizing it. I thought, for me, the the interesting thing about that is it it went right along with the point about their recruiting footprint and, and just a re- mm-hmm. return to focus on Arizona and California and mm-hmm. Texas and Louisiana are still going to be involved. But mostly if you're, you know, no further east than Nevada, are we going to mm-hmm. be looking at you? Um, yeah. Yeah, no, I mean, it, it seems like that's the case, and and that's okay. You know, I, I think, um, I mean, Haller and Metcalf, Haller was the one really making that point. Um, I, you know, I think he made the point well, like, you know, how many kids are you really going to go pull out of Georgia 
or Alabama or Florida. I mean, there, there's a lot of options right there. Now, if they've got a, a connection to ASU and you really feel like you've got a realistic chance, yeah, you know, you don't close the door on them. But, you know, wasting, you only have so much time you can spend. You know, there's only so much time in a day. And, and when you get into the season, you, you know, you have to split time between recruiting and coaching that particular team and getting ready for games. So spend time on guys you can actually get. Don't don't go recruiting kids in New Jersey when you got no chance to pull them. Yeah, and, and I think that it's smart for pooling the resources. I, what did you think of the statement about we're only going to offer scholarships to Arizona kids who will? I don't know if you said start well, or play. Well, can be a starter, basically, yeah. is kind of how they worded it. And, and Haller made a, a little observation in the podcast that I had not really given a lot of thought to, but basically made an offhand observation that he felt like past coaches, and I think you can infer Todd Graham is really who we're talking about, may have um, you know gone and gotten Arizona kids who really aren't good enough to play here, but simply to check the box of, hey, we're getting Arizona kids. Uh, you know, and, and it's interesting. I mean, like realistically, I would say that should be your approach to every recruit, right? I mean, you know, like you should yeah, never, unless, you should never go get a recruit thinking, well, this guy will probably never play for us, but sure, here's a scholarship. Like, I mean, the you only know, realistically way they will, but yeah, yeah. The, the only way that that makes sense to go for somebody who isn't is if it's like Nikhil Harry's brother, Tom Harry. Yes. Uh, And they're a package deal. So you're you're really recruiting both of them to get. You're recruiting somebody else. Uh, Or I would say quarterbacks. I mean, to be realistic, you know, if you have, you know, four quarterbacks and they all think they're starter caliber, I mean, we've we've seen it in this program. We started this, you know, offseason with, what, five scholarship quarterbacks. Um, You know, three of them believe that they should start this year. Two of those three are now gone, off to play somewhere else this year. So. You know, recruiting a kid who's maybe a, a middle of the road, um, they're great, you know, what was the kid from Gilbert, Brock Purdy, mm-hmm. that Alabama recruited. Yeah. Alabama recruited him not to be a starter in all likelihood. Now, if he became one, great, they probably would have loved it, you know, but I'm sure in their in their honest minds, the Alabama coaching staff thought, we're bringing, you know, we'd love to bring this kid in to provide some depth, be a, you know, an assistant, an extra assistant coach, basically, you know, a film junkie work hard and practice, scout team, all that stuff. But in any other position, I mean, if you're recruiting a kid and you don't think he's capable of being a starter for you at some point, why are you bothering? Yeah. And, and obviously this isn't to say that you're going to hit on everybody, but it's the plan of where you, where you start. Exactly. You know? Yeah. I mean, if you're, if you're now as any coach, I mean, would Todd Graham, if you if you hooked him up to a lie detector, you know, would you, you know, Todd was he was really good at lying. I think, you know, I mean, I liked him, but he was he was a good liar. Um, you know, if you said, but well, did you ever recruit a kid that you knew for sure would never contribute? He probably would say, you know, eh, yeah, we always thought, you know, you always think there's a chance, but deep down in his heart, did he did he recruit kids from Arizona simply to check the box of saying, look, I'm recruiting Arizona, get off my back? Probably. Uh, have coaches prior to that done that? Probably. Um, you know, I, I think it's it's probably an easy thing to, especially when you're maybe filling up a class last, you know, few days and weeks of, of you know, rounding out your class to say, oh, let's go get a couple Arizona kids so people will be happy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, probably so. Yeah, I think that's right. 
you know? And yes, uh, you laughed, but well, you would agree. Todd Graham was a pretty good liar. Todd Graham was an excellent liar. Todd Graham would look at you dead in the face and say a guy was questionable with a broken right. knee. I right, mean, right. <laughs> yeah, he was, a, he was a salesman, which is a fancy way of saying a good liar. Um, and, and, you know, he was good at it. And I, again, I like Todd Graham. I did, you know, he did a good job here for the time he was here. Um, still not sure in the long run, whether we'll be happy or sad. We got rid of him. I don't know. We'll find out. But, um, uh, you know, yeah, he was good at that. And so who knows, but that was an interesting observation. And again, one that I had not really given a lot of thought to. Um, but you know, probably true. Like, you know, don't go, don't go get Arizona kid just for the sake of it. And they talked about it on the podcast too. And I don't know, as you were listening, were you agreeing or disagreeing, but you know, they, they kind of threw out the rhetorical, you know, does it really make you cheer for the team more if, you know, the kids are, you know, if if DJ Foster's carrying the ball as compared to Marion Grice, my answer was no. Mine too. I, I, I care about the Jersey. I, right, you know, right. I mean, and I and want the best you're from, player. If you're here, I'm I'm rooting for you. Like you know, it's a great story when you have a kid like DJ Foster who grew up here and went to high school here, and he ends up being a star for the ASU football team. But you know, I mean, they threw out. It's great. You know, who are two of the iconic names of the last you know twenty five years? Jake Plummer and Pat Tillman. Neither one were from Arizona. Does anybody care? Does well, anybody they're... think less of Jake Plummer because he's from Idaho? No. Well, the guy who was your and my consensus quarterback right. of our, you know, era. Right. Yeah. He's from Idaho. He is. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, you know, I don't, I don't, I mean, I suppose if you're, um, maybe if you're a parent of a high school kid and, you know, that your kid plays his teammates with a kid who goes to ASU, you, you know, and you know that kid a little bit, you might, you know, go, you might be more likely to go to a game and, and, you know, like, oh, man, you know, that kid went to high school with my son or daughter. Um, but from from most people's standpoint, certainly from mine and, and yours, I guess, too, like, it doesn't make any difference to me. I, when no, when Marion Grace and DJ Foster were teammates, I never once gave any thought to, well, you know, I really would like DJ Foster to score this touchdown instead of Marion Grace because he's from Arizona. I don't care. No, well, and I think for me it's more of a in the pre – signing period i guess if i if you give me identical players but one's from chandler and one's from you know canada i I guess i'd rather have the kid from chandler sure sure. you know but as soon as this they're an asu player they're an asu player and it doesn't exactly yeah yeah it doesn't it doesn't much matter to me where they're from um you know i mean obviously the hometown kid made good is always a fun story and and they made, you know, Haller made a great point on there that, you know, recruiting inside your state is the sign of a healthy program because you want your you want your kids in high school to be dreaming about playing at ASU and not think of it as a fallback. You know, that's that ideally that's what you want is, is every every kid in the valley playing football here is thinking, boy, I'd love to play for ASU. I'd love to play at Sun Devil Stadium six, seven times a year for four years and have that be my home. Um, you know, so that's, yeah, it is a sign of when your program's healthy, but it's not, it's not the be all end all either. I mean, there's plenty of really good players from California and the other around the West, Western half of the United States that, you know, have been really good for us. And yeah, I mean, most of, most of the really good players we've had are not from Arizona. I mean, outside of Terrell Suggs, 
Zach Miller, Harry. Todd Heap, you know, Harry, yeah. Um, you know, we've had some, certainly, but, you know, think about some of the other, you know, Jalen Strong was what, from Philadelphia. Yeah. Um, yeah. I don't even know where Demarius Randall was from. He wasn't from Arizona. He went to um, Juco in Florida. Right. Uh, you know, um, yeah, thinking well, about I mean, other guys. Every quarterback. Every quarterback, yeah. I mean, the last trying to remember the last quarterback that we've had the starting quarterback from Arizona I don't know I mean Manny wasn't Burko wasn't um, Taylor Kelly Walter Rudy not. Walter uh, Danny Sullivan three Keller I mean uh, you know Sikachi. you gotta go back a while <laughs> yeah uh, you know I mean I don't I don't know that we've had one since you know since our freshman year even start a game much less a regular starter um uh, not that I can think of. So, I, don't, I don't think there's been one. Now, no, tight I ends, mean, obviously, we want local kids. Yeah. That's... Heap and, Heap and Miller. Yeah. I mean, we've had we've had some success stories, certainly, and those are great. But, you know, like, do you do you think... Okay, Terrell Suggs is, is a great player, and uh, you know, but uh, who's another, you know, really good success story in the NFL? Um, I'm blank, you know. From, uh, from our team? From ASU, yeah. I mean, mm-hmm. Suggs is one of the best of all time, you know, for us. Perfect's yeah. um, been around a while. Sure. Like, uh, yeah, I mean, I'm just, I'm trying to, like, does it make a difference to you when you think, well, Terrell Suggs versus, let's say Jake Plummer. I mean, Jake Plummer had a nice NFL career. Not as good as Suggs, but, you know, do you think, like, well, I, I'm happy Terrell Suggs is having success more so than Jake Plummer had success because he's from Arizona. Yeah, doesn't to me. Oh, not maybe at all. some people it does, I, but I, you know. Well, and most of the time, it's not even a thought unless the announcer says it. You know, like right. inherently, I know right that right. DJ exactly. Foster and, was from Arizona and Grice wasn't. But right, but who cares, really? I mean, like it's uh, the the you know, and if you're really good in your at your college, I mean, Plummer and Tillman are great examples. They became Arizona guys. Even though they're not from Arizona, nobody thinks about that. Nobody says, you know, well, yeah, Jake Plummer was good, but he's from Idaho, so he's not really an ASU guy. No, he's an all-time legend here. Um, Tillman's from Northern California. No one thinks about that. So, you know, if you're if you're great at your college, you transcend that. You know, do we think of James Harden less because he's from Southern California? No. no. He was great at ASU. You know, so, uh, yeah, I mean, I, I think that's a bit overrated at times. Um you know, would I love to be able to get the best players in the state consistently? Sure, obviously. But, you know, I, I would agree that it's it's not uh, – shouldn't be the priority above all else. should be a priority, but not maybe the top one. If we're going to start giving uh, guys more credit, then South Point should start giving away honorary degrees to ASU players so that I can root <laughs> for all of them more. Exactly, exactly, you know, so – yeah, I mean, uh, you know, it's, it was there were a lot of interesting things said. Uh, the one thing you and I texted back and forth about was some of the comments about quarterback recruiting and, you know, really putting an emphasis on size and arm strength. Uh, I'm not as convinced that's a great thing. That was said with the caveat of, hey, we're never going to look past obvious talent and blah, blah, blah. But, you know, I, I don't. I don't want to close the door on a guy getting a guy like, you know, Russell Wilson or Drew Brees just because they're not the prototypical size. Like you can you can be really good in college football with a five ten quarterback. A lot of teams have done it. Well, 
And I don't think that they are sticklers to that because th- this kid they got um, right. is only 6'2". And he's more of a runner. I, I yeah. will say this. I, I do agree fundamentally with the suggestion of we want a dual threat quarterback, but we want more arm than leg. Sure. Sure. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's what kind of offense you want to run. And it appears from what, you know, Herm is really focusing on and hiring coaches to run is this, this offense going to look a little bit more pro style than what we've had here under Graham. Going to be more under center. Um, I don't think it's going to be, you know, uh, I formation and, and, you know, but I don't think it's going to be Stanford bit. football unless we get right. a line that looks like Stanford football. That's the thing. You've got, yeah. I mean, but I think there's going to be more elements of that. And, you know, part of this whole, hey, we want to prepare guys better for the NFL, well, that makes sense. You want to run an offense that can transition guys to the NFL. So, um, you know, the, the spread offense has become a great equalizer in college football. You, you know, teams with less talent to compete because they run at such a fast speed and they run so many plays and and it really has become kind of like three-point line in college basketball it's it's a way to to you know negate the talent differential at times um but yeah i mean you know if, if you want to run an offense like an nfl style offense then sure you want to get a a quarterback who can throw now if you want to run um you know the offense that that uh tom herman ran at ohio state uh you don't you know, Braxton Miller and, and JT Barrett and those guys are great fits because it's all about having a quarterback who can run. But that's, you know, if that's not what we want to do, then I agree. Recruit to what you want to do. Don't don't get guys and then try to, you know, fit them in. Absolutely. The, the, the key is picking a lane as a coach and yeah. finding the best guy for it. And, and that's not to say don't be flexible. Sure. Um, you know, especially when you are a coach inheriting a system or inheriting right. players who weren't, you know, what you were looking for initially. Right. You obviously need to account for that and make sure that the, you know, the playbook is altered to fit their skill set. But sure. at the same time, when you're recruiting, you should have your, you know, ideal player and try to yeah. shoot for as close to that as you can. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, hey, I, you know, I I love a you know quarterback who can scramble around and it gives you such a threat. But more often than not, you know, to win, you you need to be able to throw. I mean, even guys like Deshaun Watson and Cam Newton, Vince Young, you know, they've won national titles and they're great runners, but they all you know had to had to deliver in big games by throwing the ball. Um, and and so yeah, I mean, you know, you you want that, and again, especially if you're going to run this kind of offense that we think this team's going to look like, uh, it makes sense to, you know, prioritize a good thrower over a good runner. And also, there's you don't have to be a great runner to create great running opportunities. It's one of the things that Stanford killed us on True. year in and year out was if you pick the right spot for a bootleg yeah. or a draw, it's murder. You know? Very true. Very true. Yeah, yeah. And and just having a quarterback who can extend a play, you know, doesn't necessarily have to be a guy you call runs for, but you know, he gets pressured and he can he can move around, he can be a threat to run, he can get out of the pocket and throw. You know, so yeah, I mean you you want you know, to me some of the things that were said are like you know, kind of obvious, you know, yeah, we'd like a dual threat good, but we're gonna you know, it's like, well, sure, you know, you're never gonna turn down a guy who is a really good passer but can also run and 
make plays on his own and keep plays alive. Like, yeah, I mean, doesn't every team want that? Um, you know, and, and the closest you can get to that, the better, obviously. If you get a guy who can do both things, you're in pretty good shape. Yeah, it, it sounds really great. It does, yeah. <laughs> so, it, you know, it was, uh, it was interesting. It was, it was uh, uh, you know, again, sort of continuing the pattern of being very transparent about things. Um, I'm really curious how long this transparency will last. Uh, we haven't lost season. the game yet. <laughs> you know, yeah. Like, I mean, transparency tends to really be something that most new coaches do when they're new at a place. And then you start losing a game and you start thinking, did we lose that game because the other team knew what we were doing and read stuff in the media? Or did we lose that recruit because the other other school knew what we were doing? All of a sudden, you become a little less transparent. So we'll see. But for right now, it's, it's kind of interesting. Speaking of transparency and kind of interesting, he didn't put up the wall in Wells Fargo Arena. But Ray Anderson's not going to reverse his decision to take it down. And, yeah. and I, for one, am a big fan of that statement. You don't, you don't take it down to be embarrassed and put it back up. Well, I suppose that's true. Now, I, I was reticent and in some ways still think we shouldn't have taken it down because I felt like we had an opportunity to make demand higher. Um, you know, and and I guess I guess my biggest thing is this: we talked a little, we talked a few weeks ago about you know the plan to renovate the arena, and as far as I know, that plan is still in place. I hope the plan is still to reduce the capacity because fourteen thousand is just more than needed. Okay. And unless we're a perennial top five team in the nation, we're not going to consistently put fourteen thousand people in the seats. So I disagree with you on the first point about taking it down. I thought it was a good call. Capitalize on momentum. Yeah. And I actually think that they feed into each other in that we are going to renovate and we're going to make it smaller. So Ray actually will never have to put the wall back up because if we don't draw well, we're already going to shrink. And I hope that's the case. I mean, I I think it is, you know, there hasn't been a lot of detail about this arena plan for the last few months. So, you know, we got that story that they got the, you know, planning and, and money approved in, you know, January, February. I haven't really heard anything since. Um, so I'm not sure of the timeline. I guess it's not for this upcoming season because we're, you know, kind of too late now to, to have anything done before this season. So I guess after this year, um, you know, I, I mean, you could, you certainly can make the point that it was a success because we did get pretty good crowds after doing that at the Pac-12. We had a couple sellouts. We had highest percentage over. attendance, right? Of course, yeah, yeah. As we talked about, you know, fibbing the numbers just a little bit, juking the stats, as they say. But um, you know, it was it was uh, it was good. I just think um, you know, I, I would I would say really really good chance that. In you know late November, early December, when we're playing a Tuesday or Wednesday night home game against Cal State Northridge, there's going to be five thousand people in the stands. Uh, that's just how it is here. Um, when you get into you know winter break, students are gone. Um, you know you're not playing a big time opponent, and so I just I hope that we don't end up regretting it yeah. doing what we did. Uh, you know, so far it's been good, and I I love the attitude. I love the bravado that he shows but I am a little bit worried about it, I guess. 
I'll say one thing about Ray Anderson. He's not afraid to be in front of the camera or in front of the microphone. No. And I'm not no, sure not. if that's good or bad. News. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he's, he's not afraid to do that, and he's not afraid to, you know, set the bar high. I mean, we've talked about it a bunch with what he said about football since firing Graham and at the Graham press conference. But, you know, you saw it in that story about basketball. You know, it's, hey, we're, we're not doing home and neutral site anymore. We're doing home and home. And if you won't come here, we're not going to your place. Like, okay, interesting. Again, I, I, I don't mind the bravado, but it, it's a little bit surprising too. You know, you don't, you don't hear it a lot. I will say this, and you and I have talked about this quite a bit with basketball scheduling, and I'm mm-hmm. fine with that idea. I'm not expecting them to get a Kansas every year or every no. other year. No. But if they can consistently do home and homes with Vanderbilt, St. Mary's, uh-huh. San Diego State, teams in that tier. where Georgia, we've got, you know, this year, next. Um, yeah, I agree. I mean, you know, other major conference schools and the upper echelon mid-major schools like San Diego State, St. Mary's, those are, you know, great examples. Um, yeah, I would agree. I mean, I think, I, again, I like the idea just I was a little bit surprised to read it, um, you know, because we're not quite at that level yet, I don't think. But, you know, before you can be it, sometimes you have to pretend that you're it. And it seems like that's what we're kind of doing here. I also wonder on some level if there are if there are outs for that statement based on the fact that Hurley seems much more inclined and and tournaments, frankly, are more inclined to invite um, neutral site non-conference games for ASU now. Sure, sure. I and, mean, and so I when you say that, that, you still get the, you know, last year getting to play Xavier, you know. Exactly. I, I think what he's saying essentially is no more, you know, okay, we're going to play two games with Kentucky, one at Kentucky and one at a neutral site. Not necessarily saying we won't play neutral site games because everybody does now. I mean, that's, that's the bread and butter of November and December in college basketball is these – you know, neutral site, you know, either three-day tournaments or, or you know, four teams, two games. I mean, that's, gosh, you know, you feel like you have more neutral site games than actual home court games anymore in non-conference play. So, yeah, you've got to do that. But um, the idea of, hey, if we're going to go to your place, you're coming to our place. Again, I like it, um, but I, I just was kind of surprised to see it black and white. Yeah. Do you think – I can't recall, and maybe I just don't know, but I can't recall an AD who's gotten more FaceTime without major sport titles. Right. You know. Well, uh, yeah, no. I mean, and it, and I can't so, recall. I mean, we've, we've been through, when we started here, Gene Smith was here, and then Lisa Love and Steve Patterson full-time. So this is our fourth AD. Certainly, of the four we've had, I think he is the most – out front in terms of um, now we weren't here for a lot of Gene Smith you know Gene Smith left at the end of our freshman year so it's a little hard to compare but um, you know in terms of being like the public face of things yeah I feel like he's a lot more out front I don't think it's necessarily a bad thing I my one concern is unlike pro sports where you are the GM of one sport right and so 
whether you're out front or not, how the team's doing, if it's being tracked, people can follow the line to you. I'm not sure how it works in college because, you know, I love what's going on with basketball. Yeah. So him doing a story about basketball is smart, but all I want is to hear the questions that Haller asked about baseball, you know, or, or what did, what did Metcalf say about, you know, so pick your program that, yeah. Well, and, and, you know, baseball is the, is the, you know, for me right now, the, the sore thumb here, um, because he made a, as much as we feel really good about the hire he made for basketball and where things are, and the job's not finished there by any means, but it's, it's on a good track. Um, baseball's just the opposite. It appears to be on a terrible track, and he is sticking by this guy despite two years of awful results. The, you know, the two worst, the worst back-to-back seasons in program history, uh, you know, and that's 50, almost 60 years worth of results. Um and so that gives me pause. Now, as we've talked about, you know, even though ASU baseball is a big thing, if football and basketball do well, nobody else, everybody's going to be happy. I mean, if, if the Bobby Hurley hire continues to look good and the Herm Edwards hire ends up looking good, then then his legacy is sealed. He will do, you know, he will end his time here with people saying, boy, that guy did a heck of a job. But, yeah, what what's going on with baseball certainly worries me a lot. I am concerned about baseball, not just because of, you know, the worst season in program history followed by the worst season in program history, (laughs) but the idea that I'm seeing yet another story on, well, the draft could really hurt if these guys sign. I know. You know, well. I know. That's life. I mean, like, that's college baseball, and. And, and, you know, I just, I can't believe how many references there were this year to how young this team is. Like, that's an excuse. This is his fourth year. Every single one of the players on this team was brought in by him. So if you're young, that means you did a really bad job of recruiting in year one and year two. Because you don't have, now baseball never really has many good seniors. Because if you're good, you get drafted after your junior year. But if you don't have good juniors, that's on you. Nobody else. Um, and, and, uh, yeah, I mean, and this, this season to me was even more concerning than last because not only did we lose a lot of games, but it, it, it appeared we were just poorly run. Um, you know, our pitching continued to be bad, a lot of injuries again, which makes you wonder, you know, are they, are they not coaching these guys? Well, they're not training them. Well, guys getting hurt all the time defensively was disastrous this year. I mean, every game, it felt like we had two or more errors. And it would usually be, you know, two or three in one inning that led to an inning where we lost the game. You know, we were up by, oh, we were up by a run, but three errors in the eighth inning allowed five runs and ASU loses. Like, I mean, I felt like I heard that story once a weekend. Oh, absolutely. I, you know, the the thing with baseball, and more so than any other sports to me, is it's kind of a standalone point of pride. I, I suppose if you mm-hmm. were at a school in the back east, that maybe you would feel that way about lacrosse, the way I feel about baseball. Right. But yeah, yeah, we don't need it, and it's not a big deal to most schools. But it, but for ASU specifically, it's a big deal. It is a big deal. Yeah, you know? it is. Yeah, and it's it's. Um, 
you know, it's become uh, an embarrassment the last two years. I mean, it just has. Um, and and uh, I don't know. I mean, I don't know what to think about his decision to stick by the guy. And we don't, you know, we can't predict the future. No one knows for sure. Um, it was an unpopular decision. Certainly the easy choice, you know, if you bow to fan support, would have been to fire him. People would have said, oh, that's great. Hopefully he knows something we don't know, and he'll get the last laugh. You know, and he'll be able to say next year and two years from now, you know, he'll be able to kind of pat himself on the back in those sit-down interviews with Doug Haller and say, well, see, I told you we had to be patient with Tracy Smith and look at the results. Here we are. We're going to the World Series in 2020. I hope so. Um, But I, I think it's very hard to believe right now. It's hard to see anything. Like, you can have a bad year and see hope for the future. I always go back to Herb Sendek's first year. Terrible team, but you saw hope in the way they were coached, the way they, they played, the talent incoming. And it's hard to see that right now with baseball, given what's happened the last two years. Yeah, I mean, meanwhile, softball is pointed in the right direction yeah. and seems like. He's done a good job of hiring, you know, minor sport coaches. And uh, minor sports sounds golf. like a bad thing. But yeah, I mean, we. we we won a national title in women's golf with the coach he hired. We got to the World Series in softball. Uh, the wrestling coach has, you know, produced several national champions, and we've become a pretty good, you know, relevant program there again. So he's done well. Um, but, it, you know, the bread and butter where you make your money in, in college sports is football, men's basketball, to a certain extent at ASU baseball. Um, and that's a mixed bag right now. Baseball looks like a really – bad situation basketball looks pretty good but again job ain't done yet and football is just too soon to tell you know you could put only an incomplete on that at this point absolutely you know football to bring it back to that part of the conversation football gets one year but the problem is if they're if football is not great this year which i think mm-hmm. you and i both suspect i know metcalf said yeah you know, some places are projecting three wins. Right. I'm um, hoping for better than that, but yeah, yeah. But if you get a bad year in football and basketball makes the tournament and baseball finishes under 500, mm-hmm. you, you really have to go back to the drawing board. And, and obviously yeah. we're talking about just performance on the field of the marquee programs and not sure. fundraising and sure. you know, all the sure. other things, I mean, I- but... I like what Ray Anderson has done overall. I like that, you know, yes, I, I mean, the football stadium project, we talked about that, you know, a couple weeks ago and how that's nearing completion, and that's great. And and what's planned for the basketball arena is great. Uh, I love the Bobby Hurley hire. Loved it then, and I still love it just as much, if not more, three years later. Uh, the Herm Edwards hire may, makes me nervous, but I'm, I'm, you know, I'm on board with it for now. You know, I want to see how it plays out. So overall, I, I like what he's done, um, but you know, it, yeah, it really does come down to those sports, and especially for him, football, because short of the basketball team going to a Final Four, which I hope they can do, um, his legacy is on the line with this football hire. Because if the basketball team ends up coming up short, you know, everybody loved the Bobby Curley hire. We were nationally praised for that. Like no, no one was saying, "Oh, what are you doing?" I mean. Um, well, the Herb Edwards he's had a run. The opposite. I mean, the he other has. thing with Hurley is, I I understand that this run has involved losing in the first round of one right. tournament, but right. we beat teams. He's already had we're, some rec- success. we're recruiting well. We're in conversations right. that we're not in right. before. 
but the two hires couldn't have been, you know, more diametrically opposed in terms of perception. When we got Bobby Hurley, it was like, man, what a coup. Young, he took this guy from the East Coast, up and comer, coming out to the Pac-12. What a what a great move. And Herb Edwards was like, what are you doing? What is going on there? You know, oh my God, what a terrible move. Um, doesn't mean that either one of those perceptions is going to end up being true. So far, it's been pretty good with Hurley. But again, you know, like the house isn't built yet. We're, we're, we're building the house and it's taken shape and it looks like a good house. But you got to keep the work up, or else the house will fall apart. Um, you know, we've we've had one good year, and we got beat in the first four. So there's more to do. Um, football, we'll see. You know, it, it, I mean, it was a very unconventional hire, as we've talked about a lot. We will talk about more and more, I'm sure, as the year you know gets closer. Um, but if it works out, then you know Ray Anderson will be able to stand up and say, "I told you, told you, I knew what I was doing." And if it doesn't, you'll have a lot of people waiting to say, I told you, you didn't know what you were doing. Yeah, well, and I I think about within the coaches and, and really somewhat Ray Anderson's stick with me line. Mm-hmm. Right. Is, it, I'm, you know, you're willing to do it. You're willing to entertain it at the beginning. And like Hurley with his antics on the sideline and sure. his, sure. you know, it works because – He's winning. He's recruiting well. He's doing well. Right. You know, if, if Herm's unsuccessful early, or the way Todd Graham's career towards the end, the mm-hmm. stick will wear thin very quickly. Oh, it quickly. certainly will, without a doubt. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it started to wear thin with Todd Graham. Uh, you know, as we've talked about a lot, it was it was wearing thin at halftime of the Arizona game with with most of the fan base. You could tell the unrest in that stadium at halftime. And then because we had a good second half and we won, all of a sudden all these people became Todd Graham supporters again. Um, but, you know, yeah, it was wearing thin with him for the last three years that he was here. And, and yeah, I mean, uh, if if we go three and nine, as Metcalf was, you know, saying, if you know, just looking at rankings, which, you know, eh, you can't do that, but I get what he was saying. Um, there will be unrest right away. Like, there's not, there's not a stomach for a huge rebuilding project because Ray Anderson didn't create that stomach. You know, I mean, he stood up there and said, finishing seven and five isn't good enough. Well, okay then I'm with you, but then I don't have a lot of time to wait. Like, you know, the years are passing fast and, and you know, okay, I'm not going to say we got to win 11 games this year, but it better happen soon. Well, and, and simply put the difference, one difference between the football hire and the basketball hire is Bobby Hurley had a, short track record as a head coach and was young and you could, you could sell me and did sell me on Mm -hmm. this guy is here. He's building this program. He could turn into our Tom Izzo. He could just be here forever. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you and I talked about it back then, uh, you know, and uh, I mean, you know, like, that was not a hire made for his first year. It was a hire made for four years from then. Yeah. Whereas but with they, Herm, it's now. He's right. in his 60s. Right. This is not yeah. a like, you know, yeah. four years from now, Herm will really have righted the ship and right. turned us in the right direction. Right. Four years from now, Herm is collecting Social Security. Herm's probably gone. Yeah. I mean, you know, hopefully Herm is, has done really well and he's turned it over to a younger guy to follow in his footsteps. But a yeah, realistically – yeah, yeah. I mean, realistically, Herm's not here for ten years, um, and and so you're, you know, you're, uh, 
expecting quick results. Now, you can't, you know, football is not like basketball in the sense that you can have a quick roster makeover. You know, basketball, if you work really, I mean, you know, a great example is Calipari at Kentucky. Took over a program and missed the tournament. The next year they were number one in the country because he recruited a bunch, you know, that's harder to do, almost impossible in football. So there's still roster limitations here uh, that are present, and those aren't, you know, I'm not going to blame Herm Edwards for the 2018 roster when most of it was recruited, you know, by another coach and another staff. But I don't have a lot of time to wait. Like, I, I'm, I'm not, you know, I listen to them talk about this season, and I agree in general about this season that, you know, we got to keep our expectations realistic and probably you're looking at a team that's around 500 like last year. Okay, but I'm not, if we're still saying that next year, and certainly if we're still saying it two years from now, I'm going to be very upset because that's not the bar that was set. Well, I mean, like, if we're still you know, saying it in two years, then we are we are stagnant and yes. we don't have, you know, Herm may have internally, I mean, internally at ASU, the yeah. goodwill from his dealings with Ray Anderson professionally right. before this to survive that, but not with the fan base. I, no. you know, no. it's not like Herm Edwards is an ASU alum who's come no. back. Like, True. like, there's no Northwestern True. here. Like, you know, no, with Pat right. Fitzgerald, where it's Pat like, Fitzgerald, or, yeah, yeah, you do yeah. whatever you got to do because you were on that '94 we'll, team, and we love we'll you. We'll stomach your mistakes and your struggles, and it, yeah, no, you're right, hundred percent. I mean, and, and you know this fan base. You know, it's it's a it's not a very loyal fan base as far as showing up. And, you know, so it's, it's not going to be like, you know, Philadelphia, where if the, if the coach is unpopular, they go in droves and they boo and they hiss and, and they, you know, they're just stop showing up and your, your new stadium with lower capacity of 55,000 will have 20,000 people in it. If they turn against you, it'll be very easy to see coming. So, um, you know, it shows up in the bottom line and yeah, if, if, uh, in June of 2020, Doug Haller and Jeff Metcalf or whoever's in their position at the time is saying, well, you're looking at another season of probably, you know, struggling to get to 500 and maybe making a lower tier bowl. That's not good enough. And, and how do I know that? Because Ray Anderson told me it is like, it's not just my opinion. That's what Ray Anderson said. It's not good enough. Being in the middle of the pack 12 is not enough. So, all right, I'm with you now deliver on it. By the way, five and seven will not get you into a major bowl in the Pac-12. No, it will not. So, and that's good. I'm okay with that. Yeah, yeah, I like that. I wish uh, every conference would adopt that. Um, there are too many and, bowls you know, for that to be the case. I know there are. I know. Yeah, yeah. It's a, but no, I like that change. Um, you know, it should be. You should have to win more than six games to get in the bowl. But that's you know pipe dream, I guess. Um, but uh, you know, yeah. I mean, I will accept it this year. I understand that there's no quick fix. You don't just come in and wave a magic wand and say, okay, that seven and five team is now 11 and one because I say so. Um, you have to get better players, you know, as, as the, you know, they said, I mean, you know, it comes down to the talent you've got. I'm not real big into the star rankings and stuff like that, but you know, why is Alabama and Clemson and Ohio state so good? Cause they got a lot of good players. Like, it's not hard. I mean, this is, this is not rocket science. They recruit a lot of really good players, and they win a lot of football games. So, you know, you, you got to start following that model. If you want to win big, you got to start getting a lot of good players. And, and to that end, it's why all of the stuff 
that you know they talked about with recruiting matters so much. Yes. If you if you can concentrate and you're taking, let's say ASU can consistently get one of the top two kids in Arizona mm-hmm. and you know six of the top ten from the state and yeah. you know five of the top you know sixty in California. Yeah. You can build something with that you as can. your base. I agree. You don't yeah. have to yeah. go. They don't have to recruit Florida. They don't have no. to recruit New Jersey. No, no, not at all. I mean, and then, you know, you could definitely feel, even though they're saying, you know, we're, we're still going to be recruiting in Texas, and sure, they are, but Todd Graham really prioritized Texas to the detriment of California. And, and that is certainly and to something. to the detriment that, of our schedule this year. Yes, yes, exactly. Yeah, you know. That was a big area for him because that was his his backyard. I mean, that's where he was from and and where he cut his teeth. And uh, and I get it, you know. But you can feel the shifting tides of hey, we're you know we're not closing our doors to Texas, but Texas is not going to be our priority anymore. Or California, when it comes to the big states, is our priority, and that's okay because realistically, you probably do have a better chance of getting kids from California. I mean, I you and I talked about this a while back. You know, how many major football schools are there in California? There's the four and the Pac-12. That's it, really. I mean, San Diego State, but you should be able to out-recruit San Diego State. Yeah, I mean, Texas San Diego has a lot State more. and Fresno State, and you should be able to beat both of them. Right, right. Texas has more. I mean, Texas has four in the Big 12, and Texas A&M, and Houston, and SMU, which is a solid program. I mean, you know, like, there's just, there's just more. Rice is in that. You know, like, so... So you're getting kids who, you know, probably they're not recruited by Texas, Texas A&M, Baylor, Texas Tech, TCU. And and so you're getting kids who you're battling with Houston. Well, you know, you should be able to go into California and battle with Cal and battle with UCLA. Why not? I mean, you know, Stanford recruits a different type of kid, you know, it seems like. So that's, you know, that's a little different. And obviously USC is, is USC. But. You know, can you can you match up with Cal and UCLA? I, I think so. I don't see why not. Yeah, and, and to your point about USC being different, it, it's the same reason why you know Florida State can recruit kids from California. USC sure. can recruit kids from Florida. That right. there's a long and, track record of those teams and yep. schools being good and nationally guys from on everywhere. TV. Yes, yes, and. And there's another reason why, you know what, so USC only has the same amount of scholarships we do. So if they're going to go get kids from New Jersey and Florida and New York and Pennsylvania, well, that's a California kid that they're not taking. So let's go get that kid. Like, you know, they, they have they have limits. They can't get everybody. Yeah. So there might be a California kid who's pretty good, but USC is in on another kid from New Jersey who's just a little bit better. Well, let's, let's dedicate our efforts to swinging that kid. Why not? Yeah, take your shot. And, and I will say – the the reason why the first recruiting class was halfway decent is because mm-hmm. of how well they did in California. Lately. California, without a doubt, yeah, yeah, you know. So it's a it's a good start from what we've seen, um, and and yeah, I mean that's just that's where it comes back to. I mean, there's there's more than just talent that determines who wins, but realistically, you know, again, look at the teams who were in the playoff last year: Georgia. Alabama, Clemson, Oklahoma. What's one commonality they all had? A lot of talent. First round picks. Top recruits. Like, you know, it's it's not hard to figure out why these teams are good. Yes, they're coached well and yes, they you know, they develop players and all that. They also just have a lot of really good players. 
So, you know, if you want to compete with those guys, you got to start getting a lot of really good players too. It's really that simple. And that's why you, you know, you have to be more patient with football than basketball. Sure. But it, I don't know. It, you know, you, you said it well. The This will be a, a big test for Anderson is how these things go. Yes. And yes. I don't I think, mean, obviously, he did himself much of a favor at all with the, the, the rationale. Not that he kicked Todd Graham out the door or anything, but the things he said about we're not this, we're not that. Right. Okay, but I, I agree with you, and I want yeah. us to be those things. But now that you've articulated it, I'm not going to forget that. No, no, you, you. I mean, here's what I don't want to hear: what we just heard from Ray Anderson about Tracy Smith and baseball, and that's why I'm concerned. I don't want to hear two years from now Ray Anderson quoted as saying, "Well, you got to be patient with us here. We're building something." No, I'm, uh, patience is out the door because you pushed it out the door. I mean, we had a program that went to a bowl five times in six years and, and you know, overachieved last year by every measure. Most people, including you and I, probably thought that team last year was going 4-8. And, and they went 7-5 and five and they beat a top 10 team and they beat a couple other ranked teams. Uh, you know, they, they were better than expected. But you said that wasn't good enough. And I'm with you 100%. It's not. 7-5 and five is not this type of stuff that memories are made of. But now you got to deliver on it, you know. Like you, you can't, you can't come out here in 2020 and 2021 and say, "Well, stick with us, folks. We're building something special." No, you, you better have already built it by then. Yeah, because if if you're giving me that speech, it's with a new coach. Yes, yes. <laughs> uh, you know, so so that's just uh, that's what concerns me about baseball is this rationale that you know, well. You know, yeah, we're okay. I mean, I love his line about, you know, we're not in it to win 32 games and get knocked out in the regionals. Sure. But I'll tell you what, winning 32 games and getting knocked out in the regionals is better than winning 23 and not making the regionals. Yeah. I'll well, take and, that every time. And talk to Coastal Carolina about what happens when you make it in. Right, exactly. You know? Talk to Fresno State 10 years ago who barely eked into the tournament won the national championship, including beating us on our home field. Uh, you know, so, yeah, I mean – I agree with him that just making the tournament shouldn't be our goal, but that should be the first goal because you're not going to win a national championship if you don't make the tournament. I don't. I, I hope he knows that. I think he does. I'm mean, getting the benefit of the doubt that he does. But you know, this we're building a championship program. Okay, well let's let let's start by getting in the tournament again. How about that? Yeah, I mean it's the same rationale for basketball. I want yes. I want Final Fours, but. I want to make the tournament. You're not getting there unless you get into the round of, you know, 64 or 68 for us this year. Yeah, I mean, you know, you gotta, you got to make the steps along the way. You can't just, again, you can't just wave a magic wand and say, now we're national championship material. Well, no, you you got you to gotta chip away at it a little bit. you got to incremental gains. You, you don't usually go from missing tournaments to the College World Series. Happens every now and again, but not often. Yeah. So that's what concerns me. Now, again, I give him credit for having the stones to say, I think this is right, and I don't care that social media is in an uproar because we've kept Tracy Smith. I'm going to do what I think is right because I'm the leader and they pay me. Okay, great. But I don't want to hear that about football. I don't have the stomach for it, and I don't think very many people do either, not given the bar that he set. I, I, 
the other thing about him, and I guess this is the point that I was circling earlier and just was having trouble articulating yeah. when I was saying that he's out front more. He puts yeah. his neck on the line he a does. lot. And, he and, does. And seems unafraid by that. And, and, and I'm I think okay that, with that. That's a good thing. Yeah. But it's yeah, also the I sort agree. of thing that, you know, ends 10 Likes years. You. Yes, know? it does. Yeah. I mean, I, you know, you and I texted yesterday and we were talking a little bit about Ray Anderson. And I almost even said to you, you know, he's the type of guy that if he ever, if we ever get, you know, a final forward basketball or we make the college football playoff, I mean, he ought to just go right then. He ought to just quit right then after that's over because, like, he's built this really high bar. And if he stays around long enough, he will be folly for people by saying, what What are you doing? You know, so if he ever climbs the mountain in one of those two sports, wins a national title, just resign the next day. Well, if you are saying, trust me, trust me, trust me. Yeah. Either it'll come true and there's yeah. no higher place to go. Right, exactly. Or it won't. Or it doesn't. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, and then it's time for you to go. Yeah, uh, and and that's you know I mean look very likely most coaches and not necessarily ads but but most you know it it usually ends poorly well, you know I it's mean, the it's the Monty in waiting either yes. you win the title and then there's no reason to be the ad again or right. you don't win the title <laughs> and then there's really no reason to be the ad again. correct yeah exactly you know and and that's. Uh, you know that that's likely how it's going to end is is poorly because I mean again look at look around college football and you know coaches who have won national titles in the last twenty years who either got fired or got pushed out in an ugly manner. Mac Brown, Les Miles, Jim Tressel. Uh, I mean these these are Jimbo Fisher didn't get pushed out, but certainly it ended poorly. Um, I mean these are national championship coaches. Um, who's the guy from Auburn? I'm forgetting his name. Gene Chizik. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, these, these guys have won titles recently and it didn't end well. So, you know, the odds are pretty good that like for Herm Edwards, right, it won't end well, but there could be some really good highlights in the middle, you know, that, that'd be okay. I mean, the odds are good Herm Edwards will get fired because most coaches get fired. Um, but maybe he won't, maybe he'll do well and then he'll decide to retire. That would be great for everybody. Um, you know, whether he gets fired after, you know, winning a couple conference titles and then, tailing off or whether he gets fired after three years because he's, you know, 15 games under 500. That's the difference. Yeah. Yeah. I think we can all agree that the, the Herm Edwards tenure is going to go like a firework. It's going to be fast <laughs> and it's either going to be a dud or it's going to be a huge boom finale. But it's going to be quick. You know. Sure, sure. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I don't think, um, you know, you and I have talked about going to see ASU at Mississippi State in, what, 2025, I believe it is. I'd say the odds are pretty good Herm Edwards will not be our coach then for I, one reason or another. I'm not sure uh, he's going to be the coach for the Oklahoma State game. He may not be. What is that, 2021? 20, yeah. 22, something like that. So, yeah, I mean, uh, you know, it's it's a, it's a short-lived tenure very likely and again the best result is he does really well and he sets the foundation for the next coach whoever it is maybe it's an assistant on this staff maybe it's someone else that comes in who who is the longer tenure guy i mean you know we're not we're not likely to have her here for for 10 plus years or even you know seven plus years 
Um, but if he does well in his short burst and then, you know, the, the foundation is set, then that would be the ideal scenario. I think five is perhaps a pipe dream. Probably, probably. I mean, who knows? I, you know, it's, it's, uh, you know, but then, but then at the same time you hear about, you know, the recruiting that they're doing for 2020 and 2021 and they feel so good about it. Like, well, that's, that's, you know, four seasons from now, if you're talking 21, so, you know, is there a, I mean, we thought there was a long-term plan in place for, uh, you know, Billy Napier when this hire was first made, you know, Herm was going to be here for maybe two or three years and then they'd hand it off to Napier. Well, obviously that's not the case. They still can. Um, just they still could, I suppose, but I, I kind of doubt it. There might be some hurt feelings about Billy Napier leaving, um, you know, unless somebody else is in charge by then, but who knows? I mean, this, this is a, uh, yeah, I, I feel like when we hired Bobby Hurley, you know, the idea was, okay, you know, buckle your seatbelt. It's it's going to be a long ride. With Herm Edwards, it's buckle your seatbelt. This ride's going to go really fast. So you better buckle in and hold on tight, and we'll see where we're at when it's all done. Yeah. It, it, it's a, it is a bet the house yeah. higher. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Yeah. We're, we're shooting for the moon, and hopefully we'll get some stars, but we might fizzle out and not even come close to the moon. <laughs> <laughs> you know, like uh, old Casey Kasem used to say, keep your feet on the ground and keep reaching for the stars. That's what we're doing. Quick, quick, quick. NBA. Yes. Boring finals. After, you know, it's, so far, it's LeBron. Yeah. You know, game one was exciting. Game one was very exciting, but yeah, it didn't last, unfortunately. And, you know, he's just one man. The alley-oop to himself off the backboard. Yeah. You yeah. Know, he's, yeah. He's playing better than anyone has ever he's played. Great. And, but, yeah. And it's just not going to matter. And that's too no. bad. No. No. I mean, getting to the finals, I... I I agreed with what Brian Windhorst said that night. That was that was this team's, you know, version of winning a championship was getting through the Eastern Conference, which was a grind for them. Much harder than it's been the last three years since he's been there. So, um, you know, they got there, which is it's a, an accomplishment, but it's probably over there. Yeah. Ugh. Where do we think LeBron ends up? Give me your guess right now. I think L.A. Which team? The Lakers. The okay. Lake Show. Okay. I, I think that Philly with I, I didn't think Philly was a great fit. They would no, you know, I, I do I will be clear. Ev- everyone will make it work for him. Sure. He will decide where to go. And I'm I sure. I I believe that wholeheartedly that this is a it, it's still his decision one hundred percent. There's not yeah. a team in the league that would say, you know, Oh, I agree. <laughs> yeah, you're right. You're right. No, nobody is, is going to say, ah, uh, thanks, but no thanks. Now, with that being said, I think that he will entertain staying, going to Philly, and, and the Lakers. And I think that's probably it. I know that there's some loose Houston talk, but yeah. he's smart enough to know that him, Paul, and Harden – who all are ball dominant players. Um, assuming by the way that they bring Chris Paul back. Uh, uh, yeah. But yeah, but there's nobody left. There's no more money unless LeBron, no. you know, if he really is crazy, just a title 
title, title, title? Yeah. Signed for the league minimum. Yeah. And I don't think he is. I mean, like, he wants to win, uh, you know, know, but look, he's got three. Like, I mean, to expect him to now say, okay, you know what, I'll I'll play for five million a year. No. I mean, I, I don't I don't think that's on him to do. I mean, I know we do that in sports, but oh, it's like, absolutely no, it's, it is absolutely not on him to do. And and, unfortunately, and I'm not saying you're saying I know I know some would would suggest that you're not, but um, you know, I, I yeah, I agree with you. It's not. But you know, and we judge these guys. The greatest players play, and if there was no cap, he'd make fifty million a year, without a doubt. Yeah, he, you know, yeah. but. He will take the max, and, and therefore I yes. think that Houston – honestly, I, I think that Maury would do everything he could to make it work and probably mortgage every first-round pick yeah. you know, for the yes. next decade to, <laughs> yes. to get yes. him and, and to package a way to get Anderson off the team. But yeah. you know, I think it's really going to be the Lakers have room. Yeah. He can go learn from Magic. A lot of room. Yeah. He, yeah. Can, he can become the mogul. The, the new mogul and we can have a debate yeah. is he better than Jordan and is he a better mogul than Magic it'll be fun yeah and okay you threw it out there I'll say it too does he take Chris Paul with him to the Lakers because the whole idea is oh he wants to play with Chris Paul well Chris Paul's a free agent too so isn't that sort of intriguing I mean they got the money to sign two guys I would personally I would sign Chris Paul and LeBron over Paul George and LeBron I'm not hugely down on Paul George, but I'm not as high on him as some people are. Um, like, I, give me Chris Paul and LeBron and pair them with Brandon Ingram and Kuzma. I got a pretty solid group there. Julius Randle. Like, I'm, I'm, I'm feeling pretty good about my chances to at least get to the you know conference finals. Second unit Lonzo Ball or trade Lonzo Ball? Maybe trade Lonzo Ball. Maybe. I mean, I don't know. I'm not down on Lonzo Ball, but if I can, if I can make a run now with Chris Paul and LeBron. I'd be willing to package Lonzo Ball in a deal if I needed, you know, if you needed to make it work somehow. The Chris Paul trade, or the the Chris Paul acquisition, they they created the rule so that he can have a higher salary now right. in his age, you know, through age thirty eight season. Right. If I'm a rational actor team, I I don't do it. I I don't know how you talk yourself into it. Yeah, signing who, Chris Paul? Yeah, but somebody will. Like, I'm not saying he won't get it. I just, it's the it's the cold hard math part of me. It's kind of the reason why I I could see him leaving Houston is Daryl Morey saying, "Look, here's what we can offer you. We'll make it better than you know most, but the last two, it's gonna be a three year deal." With consecutive team options, right, right, or, yeah, yeah, you know, or a team option with a two million dollar buyout each year. Yeah, no, I mean you gotta you gotta be a little reticent on him because not only getting older, but he's injury prone, and it flared up at the worst possible time this year. But it wasn't a new thing. He's he's been an injury prone player. He's really good when he's out there, but he's not always out there. With LeBron, you can pretty much always guarantee he's going to be out there. He's never had a significant injury in his career. He's taken some games off to, you know, heal up or go to Miami for, you know, 10 days or whatever. But he, he's never had a long-term injury. Chris Paul has had a number of them. Well, and LeBron's never missed a clutch moment. No, he has not. And, and you no. s- I mean, I think the one of the most telling, if not the most telling things about this was the photo, I think it was in the Boston series, where 
the team's celebrating, and he has ice packs everywhere. Yes, and, yes. And I heard, I don't know if it was Windhorse, it was somebody from ESPN told the anecdote of yeah. LeBron badly rolled his ankle a few years ago in a, right. in a playoff game, and they were just talking to LeBron's personal you know, trainer guy uh-huh. and said, well, how is he? And he's like, he he has to be okay, doesn't he? Like, it doesn't... Right. It right. doesn't matter if he is okay. He just yeah. – he has to be okay. <laughs> he, he has the feel of being physically indestructible. Uh, you know, he really does. And, and his career has been that so far. Like I said, I mean, for him to play 15 years, nine trips to the finals, uh, you know, so God knows how many more games he's played than a normal 15-year bet. All the, you know, offseason, you know, Olympics and world championships and all that stuff. Uh, I mean, for him to never have had a significant injury is unbelievable. I mean, it's it's really startling um, at his size and the way he plays the game, and uh, you know, it's it's unbelievable. Really, we'll never we've never seen anything like it before. A guy that big and that athletic, that durable, um, and, you know. So it's it's remarkable. But I, yeah, I mean, the Lakers is a, is a natural fit because they've got some young pieces that are cheap, but they're good. And so it allows them to go get a couple veterans, and it makes a lot of sense. And and maybe, you know, look, yes, the Warriors look unbeatable against the Cavs. They didn't look unbeatable around to go. They were on the ropes. Um, and so maybe he looks at that and says, you know what, give me a couple good young players. Give me Chris Paul as my teammate, or Paul George, or whoever. I'll take my run at the Warriors. They're not going to be kings forever. They're going to get older. They're going to have strife, whatever it may be. So, like, you know, know, are you are what, you scared of going to the West? I wouldn't is, be. He's a round difference away from not having to play with Curry at all. Right. And, you know. Right. Exactly. So, so yeah, I mean, and, and uh, you know, give it give it a run. Uh, I mean, Wilbon said this on PTI today, and I agree. You, get, you put him on the Lakers, and you give him another, you know, big time, if, if it's Paul or Paul George or whatever. And then that supporting cast, isn't that a better cast than what he's got right now? I think it is. Absolutely. Absolutely. You know, I, mean, I think so. You know, so. And, and with with all respect to Kevin Love, who I think is shown this year how valuable he is yeah. to what they yeah. do, you know, it, I would take Chris Paul over Love for what their yes. two games are. And then yes. I think, you know, I think that's also probably the closest. The rest of the supporting yeah. cast, I mean – J.R. Smith versus Ingram for where they'll be next year and the year yeah, after? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, give me Ingram. Kuzma was an all-rookie team guy. Uh, and I still like Lonzo Ball. Like I, I'm not ready to give up on Lonzo Ball, but if I had to package somebody, I would. You know, like that. Like I'm not, I'm not saying I'd hang on to him for, you know, without ever thinking about giving him up. But, you know, he's a good player. He's got a good sense of the game. LeBron likes him. He doesn't like his dad, but he likes him. So, uh, you know, it might be a good fit there. Do I do I think LeBron goes there on his own? Probably not. But if he could get another guy to go with him, it makes a lot of sense. Yeah. Well, and I could see I could see a world in which Chris Paul you know, the the Rockets don't want Chris Paul. Right. You know, they they don't want him for what the deal is. Yeah. And so they say to the Lakers, "Look, Will you pay his deal? And if you yeah. will pay his deal, we'll sign and trade him to you. Yeah. And we'll take back Lonzo. Lonzo. And, and, and maybe, so, you know, somebody else. Now, I would not. If I'm the Lakers, I'm not giving up Ingram or Kuzma. 
to me, though, especially in this era of basketball where you can kind of play that positionless game, like, it doesn't matter if you have three small forwards. That's what the Warriors have. You know, I mean, like, it, that's that's the way the game is played now. You don't need a center and a power forward anymore, or right now, at least in the game today. Um, and, and so I'm not giving those two guys up because they are versatile enough to play different positions, to defend different spots. Lonzo Ball is a true point guard. So if I can get another true point guard, I'm okay giving him up. Yeah, absolutely. And, and I think... I think realistically, if I'm the Rockets, I'm listening on that because I would too. You know, yeah. in the in the Belichickian model, let, let's get out early the, yes. instead of getting out late, and keep the and then you give yourself some financial flexibility to go get somebody else. Maybe yeah. this offseason, maybe next. Well, and the um, other thing is, it it buys you flexibility now while you wait for those albatross contracts that you have right. to go away. Right. To go away. And if, you know, and you, Anthony and you Davis keep comes to the Harden. open market soon, you know, you make a run at him or, so, you know, somebody like that. Yeah, you've got Harden. You're good enough to make the playoffs. We've seen that. If Harden is your best guy. You're good enough to get in the playoffs and, and get a top three or four seed. They were last year. Um, and, and then you keep yourself open to, you know, if, if somebody else is available, like I said, Anthony Davis, you know, if, if time starts to run out in New Orleans and he decides he wants to look elsewhere, well, maybe you're a natural landing spot for him or somebody along those lines. Well, and you know that, you know, the Portland guards, something's got to right. give there. And if you feel right. like, and let's say you run it back with the D'Antoni system and, and you realize, man, we really need another ball handler shooter. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, now you still have a young Lonzo Ball who, you know, sure, I'd be a little concerned to be the third team to take a shot at him before he's 21. Sure. sure. But but so, you've got a piece yeah. that you could use. Yeah. No, I agree. I mean, it makes sense in a lot of ways. Um, it'll be fascinating. You know, I, I, I felt like on Sunday night, you know, game two, when it was, you know, nearing its end, I almost felt like, and this conversation sort of proves it. The next most interesting, you know, day on the calendar is, is you know, J- July 1st, um, you know, because the finals feel like they're decided already. And so now it's, you know, turn your attention to what's going to happen in the offseason. Yeah. What is, you know, what if what if LeBron and Durant team up? You started to hear that buzz, like, you know, do they want to play together at some point? And God, you know, how, how weird would that be? And now, you know. Although Durant announced he's machine. coming back. He did, but. Until pen is to paper, who knows? I mean, you know. That's true. DeAndre Carlos, Jordan was going to be. DeAndre uh, Jordan. Um, Carlos Boozer said he was going back to Cleveland, too, and then he didn't go back to Cleveland. You know, so, yeah, until you uh, till that contract is filed, it doesn't mean anything. He, I think he's coming back. He probably will. But, um, you know, it's, it's sort of like a verbal commitment in football. Until you put that pen to paper, it's really worth nothing. Yeah. Well, we're going to leave it there, but uh, we'll be back. There's a lot more off-season. There's a lot more things we have to discuss with you. Yes, uh, indeed. Until next time, he's Matt. I'm Ben. It's the Ben and Matt Sportscast.